Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. The Action Network Podcast, named Best Betting Podcast or Radio Show by the Fantasy Sports and Gaming Association, and the number one show for the invested sports fan. All right, here we go. From the 10, throwing end zone. Spectacular catch. They're saying it's a catch. Touchdown. You see, most gamblers, when they go to gamble, they go to win. Oh, my God. That's incredible. Big bank, small bank, I like to make money. All right. That is the ultimate kibosh. You want to bet? <laughs> and we are underway. What's up, Degenerate Nation? Welcome to the Action Network podcast. This is the weekend football betting review. I'm stuck in with me, as always, is Colin Wilson. How about them hogs? Another Sunday recording session after an Arkansas victory. Yeah, stealing my uh, stealing my thunder here. I was going to go woo pig suey. I was going to call the hogs the entire time. Talk about how Sam Pittman is the next coming of you know Jesus when it comes to. You know, <laughs> I mean, in the SEC, we have our that's a religion to all of us. And man, what Sam Pittman's been able to do with this roster and you know with his two coordinators, uh, it's been. I mean, this is only a two and two team, and we've got the attention of everybody in college football, and it feels so good. So good to matter again. We will get to everything that happened in college football, including Georgia, Alabama. We have a Thursday night college football game, which is nice because Thursday night football in the NFL is uh, an NFC East game, which probably won't be pleasant. We'll get to the two Monday night games. We'll get to voicemails that y'all left, which I still haven't listened to, so I'll listen to them live here. And uh, But before that, let's review what happened today in the NFL. Sitting here watching the 49ers just abuse the Rams. This is a smash spot for the 49ers, so I hope they hold on. They're just crushing them over the middle of the field. So we'll talk about that one on our NFL Week 7 betting preview with myself and Chris Raybon, which will be out on Thursday. The other smash spot that I had, I mean, I mean, this has just been an unlucky overtime year for me between the Texas Live bets. One of my biggest bets of the year was uh, the Texans, plus 3.5 and, and plus 4. So, luckily, I was able – the Texans, for those that missed the game somehow, the, te- the amount of things that had to happen for this game to get to overtime were obscene. You had a, a Texans missed extra point earlier in the game. So, then the Titans scored, then went for two. They got it. Then, you know, the scoring was back and forth. The Texans led by seven with a minute and a half to go, went for two to, to win the game. You go up two possessions, which I agreed with. Didn't get it. Titans get the ball back go 
the length of the field and score a questionable touchdown. I think he was actually down, but I get why they didn't overturn it. With four seconds left, Mike Vrabel doesn't go for two. He kicks the extra point. As soon as that happened, I tweeted out, I know what's happening based on my overtime luck this year. Titans are winning the toss, and they're going right down the field and score. Whoever, whoever's getting the ball is going down and scoring. So then you have a coin toss that goes against you. I immediately bet minus 140, minus 145 Titans live. So at least I salvaged some of it. And the Titans go right down the field and then end up scoring on a third and goal with a wildcat to Derrick Henry. I mean, one of the grossest beats you'll see. The Titans, another lucky win. That defense is just a, a train wreck. Their offense played really well. Um, unfathomable that the Texans would lose that game by six in overtime. So uh, slide into my DMs if you bet the Titans and uh, give me those Powerball numbers. Moving on, the Colts come back after a sleepy start. I mean, they were down 21-0 in the blink of an eye against the Bengals. They hold on for a 31-27 win. Uh, the Colts improved to 4-2. and two. Meanwhile, the, the Titans were five, are now 5-0 and oh on the year, and they've had four one-possession losses, including – a win in overtime. They will host the Steelers next week in a matchup of two five and O teams. That's that's one of the best games of the, of, of the weekend. We'll be previewing that later in the week. The Steelers just absolutely bloodied the Browns. Thought the Browns might be a contender. They still might become one in the AFC, but they have a lot of work to do. And just the matchup against the Steelers. If you can pressure Baker Mayfield. It's good night. It's the same thing with Jared Goff. And Baker Mayfield finished the day. Maybe he wasn't fully healthy. 10 of 18 for 119 yards. Case Keenum, 5 of 10 for 46 yards after coming in for Mayfield. And the Steelers, 38-7. This game was never in doubt. Held the Browns to 220 total yards of offense. Uh, the Steelers' defense is for real, but they may miss Devin Bush. It looks like he'll be out for the year. It sets the Browns up for a really nice buy low sell high against the against the covering Cincinnati Bengals this uh, today. I don't know if I have the stomach for that again after what Joe Burrow did to me in the first Browns Bengals uh, matchup, but we shall see. The Browns should be able to do whatever they want against that defense. It's a really good matchup for them. If you recall that Thursday night game, they averaged like eight yards per play. We're just basically handing it off and running for twenty yards. All right, elsewhere in the AFC. Oof, one of the ugliest games of the day. An under I actually hit. Again, I think that you should be paid triple for hitting NFL unders this year. The Denver Broncos beat the New England Patriots in Foxborough with six field goals, 18 to 12. The Patriots offense looked lost. Bill Belichick looked sleepy. The defense held its own. They were put in bad positions, but they didn't necessarily dominate the game. Uh, just an ugly game all around. I don't know. There was a fourth and one late that the Patriots didn't challenge. And then they ended up just punting instead of sneaking it down 15 with like 10 to go. They ended up getting a chance to win it. And Cam Newton couldn't come through with a bad throw. I, people are going to say there might be some validity to this. Hey, the Patriots weren't practicing. There was all these interruptions. So how much do you attribute what happened there on the field to those recent COVID interruptions, uh, but the offense needs that, – that offense needs a, a shot in the arm. Name a team that hasn't gone over the total yet. A lot of teams that are sitting, you know, like three and three, uh, two and three, but there, and there's a ton of teams that have gone over. I mean, Saints are five and oh, Vegas, Buffalo, four oh and one to the over. Do you know the team that hasn't gone over the total yet in any of their games? 
the team that hasn't gone over the total, probably the Broncos. We're going to go with the Cardinals, but we'll talk about that later for Monday Night Football Preview. So yeah, the Cardinals. Okay. I would have taken me like maybe seven or eight teams to pull the Cardinals. Uh, elsewhere in the AFC, the Ravens hold on to stay one back of the Steelers in the AFC North with – I had them teased a one and a half. Didn't think I would have to sweat that game, and I had to sweat a late two-point conversion attempt by the Eagles, who somehow made a furious comeback. And by the way, there was a pass interference on Marcus Peters at the end of the game to get the Eagles down inside the red zone. I don't know what defenders can do anymore. We talk about scoring being up. Look, teams are getting smarter. Offenses are more efficient now. Teams are getting smarter. You know, they're throwing it more on first down. We're seeing more play action. We're seeing also teams go for it on fourth down in more ideal situations. We talked about the communication without a crowd. We talked about the holding calls being up. That's something I'm continuing to monitor each week. We'll see where it stands this week. We'll talk about that on our Thursday podcast. But Let me, there's just these 50-50 hand fighting where you would never call it. And every single time this year, it's going on the defense. Every time. And I know it's probably what the NFL wants some points. But, I mean, Marcus Peters played, just turned around, played the ball. I mean, man. When would you hedge a Cowboys Divi- East Division ticket with uh, Philly uh, got Thursday Night Football against the Giants and then Dallas lined up in two weeks? No, no, nowhere close to now. We, you have to wait till the very end of the year. Plus, you, you want to see what Dalton looks like with this mm-hmm. offense. The Cowboys defense is getting a little healthier. I, I'm fully convinced this division is going to come right down to the wire. I wouldn't be shocked if Washington or the Giants – won a couple miracle games and then had a shot with like four weeks to go to win the division. I mean, honestly, seven or nine might win this division. Can it come down to Philly or Dallas? And it'll probably come down to their head-to-head matchups. But uh, I want to see what, what Dalton looks like. And we'll get to that in the Monday night game. Really all I'm hoping for is Ben DiNucci from James Madison comes out and wins, wins the division for the Cowboys. Just a And that would be legendary. That would be great. Um, rap, finishing off the AFC, I don't know what the NFL was doing. They have the Jets as one of the two games at 4 o'clock. And unfortunately, I mean, hide that game at one. First of all, you should never have just two games at four. You should always have at least three. And one of the two can't be the Jets. You ha- and there's no fans. and It's an East Coast game. Put that at one. Hide it. But no one wants to see that on red zone. And then what happens if you just have two games? Yeah, one of them was a marquee game. But the other one ends up being a blowout, too. I was watching non-NFL. I turned all the NFL off. I, don't th- I can't remember the last time I turned NFL off on a Sunday. Everything was decided. Uh, like at 6 o'clock, I was like, what's on TV? I was watching some golf, like SVU, some Shark Tank. So, I mean, yeah, it was bad. The Jets fall to 0-6 against the spread. The Jets are the first NFL's 0-6 against the spread team since the 2013 Houston Texans. Uh, it's bad. All the way around. This is a game where the two teams started out oh, a combined 0 for 19 on third downs. 0 for 19. And the Jets were down 24. You had them getting sacked for 28, 28 yards on one play. You had them punting near midfield after a botched snap for a net of five yards after, like, three personal fouls. I don't know how Adam Gase still has a job. The Jets are almost unbettable. I don't even know what number we're going to get when they go to KC in two weeks. Uh, they're, they're not even coming close to covering. The Dolphins uh, did what they needed to do. They looked good early. It was uh, one of the ugliest NFL games you'll ever see. Dolphins went 24 nothing. Game stays way under Dolphins cover easily. Moving on to the NFC, the Lions get a big lead early and hold that big lead. Rare sight to see. 
they beat the reeling Jags, who are pretty much just a dumpster fire. 34-16 lines get the road cover. Uh, game ends up staying under the closing total. The Chicago Bears moved to 5-1 and one, uh, with another one-possession win, this time over the Carolina Panthers. I don't think anyone's still believing in the Bears, but look, just keep winning games and everyone keep shutting everyone up. Bears win 23-16. That game stays under the total. The Atlanta Falcons, Dan Quinn gone. Atlanta Falcons show life, and they obliterate the Vikings 40-23, to 20 to nothing at the half. Julio Jones went off. Kirk Cousins, yeah, he put up three t- 343 yards and three touchdowns total, but most of that in garbage time. Uh, one of the worst first halves of football you'll ever see. Sometimes the Kirk Cousins clunkers are as bad as it can get. Falcons win easily to pick up their first win of the year. Both they and the Vikings have one win apiece. The Washington football team comes up a point short, and the Giants get their first win of the year, 20-19, to 19, in a game that Washington probably deserved to win. If you look at the box score, they outgained the Giants 337 to 240 yards for play about even. But they were driving in Giants territory late. Kyle Allen sacked, fumbled, scooped up by the Giants, Return for a touchdown. Giants go up 20 to 13 with about two and a half minutes to go. Washington gets the ball, drives all the way down the field. They score a touchdown, decide to go for two and for the win, and they don't get it. Riverboat Ron, and that was a huge decision because the over under was 42 and a half. If they get, if they just kick the extra point, the game's probably going over, unless we have another Bengals Eagles situation. And the line closed. Washington plus two. So all the Giants backers out there, one of them, they just kicked the extra point, but they didn't. And the Washington and the under hits because Rivera decides to go for two. Uh, both of them are still, they both have one win. They're still in the race in the NFC East. That's sad. And the last after Sunday afternoon NFC game was the Tampa Bay Bucks and the Green Bay Packers. You had the Packers come out, take a 10-0 lead, look unstoppable again. You had Packers Twitter chirping. You had Rodgers doing dances from the time they showed Rodgers doing his planned out dance on the sideline till the end of the game. The Bucks outscored the Packers 38-0. A complete and utter demolition. It's not so easy, Packers fans, when you play nothing but backup secondaries and bad teams. The Bucks looked dominant on defense. They held the Packers to 33 Yards per play, 201 total yards. Let's chill out on the Packers and making them the Super Bowl favorite after beating a bunch of bad teams to start the year. 201 total yards. Levante David might be the best linebacker in the NFL right now. The Bucs have a legit outside corner duo in Davis and Dean. Uh, The second quarter alone, the Bucs had 69 nice interception return yards. The Packers had five total offensive yards. So, look, Rodgers overall has been playing a lot better, but the competition has been really poor. A lot of regression coming for this Packers team, and to hit them like a train today. They're three-point favorites in Houston next week. I'm sure a lot of people are going to be Green Bay again. I may be on Houston. Another, another buy-low-sell-eye point for, I mean, taking the Texans here after they didn't cover today against the Titans. So, Hopefully it doesn't go to overtime. Uh, Tampa now goes to Vegas. Very intriguing game. 
Uh, they're, I think, two-and-a-half-point favorites. I'm sure that's going to be another public darling. We'll cover all those games later in the week. So that's your NFL recap for this Sunday. Let's move on to college football. And before we get to some of the games and Thursday night football, we have voicemails to get to. And like I said, I haven't listened to them yet, so this should be interesting. But before I do pull up those voicemails, here's a few words from our sponsor, BetMGM, the official odds provider of the Action Network podcast. The NFL season is upon us, and our friends at BetMGM Sports are offering Action Network podcast listeners a great sign-up offer. Just make your first deposit using the bonus code ACTIONPOD and receive a 100% deposit match up to $500. They've got parlay bonus payouts, live betting markets, daily odds boosts, all sorts of great stuff. So download the BetMGM app today or visit BetMGM.com to sign up and use the code ACTIONPOD to double your bankroll with a 100% deposit match up to $500. As a reminder, you must be 21 or older and physically located in the great states of Colorado, Indiana, New Jersey, Nevada, or West Virginia. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado and Nevada, 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey and West Virginia, or 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. Promo offer not available in Nevada. And now, back to the show. All right, here we go. Let's get to these voicemails. Have you heard these yet, Colin? I have, and I have notes for everybody, so thank you for calling in. All right, here we go. I haven't yet. I called in once, but I just I, I left the bow pick season in full effect, but let's see. Bad beats, back doors, and miracle covers. However you're feeling, we want to hear from you. You have reached the voicemail box of the Action Network Podcast. The guy is drunk, but there he goes. Let's check this week's messages. You know, I'm sitting here looking at my card from today and just can't be more happy to be on the bull picks. Fade that guy. That mother can't get it done. Let's go Gamecocks in the green, baby. Stocky, Colin, John from Philly. Bone Nick season in full effect. Woo! Bone Nick season in full effect. Colin, Stucky, this is the former Bo Nix ambassador. Full disclosure, I thought Joey Gaywood should have won that job, but he didn't, so I had to stay on brand. I thought the most funny thing that I've seen all weekend was the Baker Mayfield commercial saying he only performs well under pressure when he's like 33rd out of 34 quarterbacks under pressure. But no, I was wrong. Chad Moore said, hold my beer and proceeds to continuously blow the game. He's f***ing terrible. Colin, I'm so sorry you ever had to deal with him. Just refused to run the ball. Bo Nick, 47 f***ing pass attempts for 5.5 yards of play. Just terrible. Never had a conference win. First 10 loss season in Razorback history. F*** him. F*** you, Chad Morris. Hey, it's Cheddar Bob from New York. Let me just say, any candidate that is willing to get college football games under four hours will 100% get my vote. The UCF-Memphis game took f***ing four and a half f***ing hours to play. Unwatchable. I don't give a shit how many points there were. Uh, yeah, let's pause it there and talk Bo Pick season. This is probably my – we'll get the best call. Worst call by regret. This is probably my best call of the weekend. It was in our staff best bets. This is what I wrote up. Look, I mean, it's not just Bo Nix. He's not elevating his game enough to make up for some of the huge areas of weakness on Auburn, offensive line, secondary – defensive line pretty much everywhere across the board, all the positions they had to replace. 
And uh, look, I, I tweeted out a meme that the coffee guy where it's like changed my mind and I, I put in there, Auburn should be 0-4. They should be. So we got some value fading them this week against South Carolina. I don't know how much value we're going to get moving forward, but there's a lot of flaws in this team. You want to talk bow pick season in Chad Morris? Yeah, I mean, well, where do I start with Chad Morris? Other than the fact that he's drilling uh, the Razorback Foundation for about $4,100 per day in salary that we're still paying him. Uh, so I'm still a little bit pissed that he made a statement that, you know, he took the Arkansas game personal. We're, you're getting paid every day by the team that fired you. So that's my – Chad Morris is, is an issue everywhere he goes, right? He likes to pop his sugar-free Red Bull, uh, and he likes to talk smash-mouth offense, but he's not producing any results on the Power 5 level. I mean, as a head coach, he never beat a Power 5 team. He ruins things where he goes. And it was funny to see him play mediator between Bo Nix and Seth Williams. This was a perfect marriage of quarterback and wide receiver. This is something that all of us were excited to see this year. Yesterday, Bo Nix goes 24-47, 272 yards, three, you know, three interceptions, only a touchdown, and a 40% success rate. And I think the one thing that caught everybody's eye was when Bo Nix got into a fight, an argument with Seth Williams – on the sideline. Now, what would that possibly be about? Usually wide receivers get pissed off when they're not targeted. Seth Williams was targeted 11 times yesterday, and he only had four catches. They're not on the same page. Their signals are on the same page. Chad Morris is in between the middle of them, trying to trying to play mediator for, for Bo Nix and the rest of his offense. Looked a little childish to me. Auburn lost this game to South Carolina, and South Carolina didn't even have a single explosive drive. That's how bad it is for Auburn right now. Good luck. Yeah, South Carolina wasn't even fully healthy on defense. They didn't have one of their best corners. Uh, J.C. Horn, Joe Horn's son, I believe. It's son or nephew. I think it's his son. He had a hell of a game at corner covering Seth Williams. Not an easy matchup. But, yeah, a lot, lot of problems with this Auburn team right now. Look, the Chad Morris thing, it sucks that you can't sit here and just talk about how you had that win over Auburn, even though you did have that win over Auburn. But, anyway. Martin from Chicago. Can't believe I'm calling you guys on Friday night. But apparently the BYU head coach on three consecutive thirds plus fourths and ones can just run a quarterback sneak. But when all they need to do is run the clock out so everyone in the universe who has Houston plus points can cover, he's chucking it down the field like he's running the f***ing steam for your f***ing butt and gut. This is a disgrace. I'm going to take a bath. Bye. That's fantastic. You know what's funny about that? Is that is it Kalani Sataki took a knee against Troy, right? Like that screwed everybody on their over tickets because he took a knee against Troy down like the five yard line. Houston had a sixty six percent post game win expectancy, and you say, well, you know, what does that mean exactly? It means if they played this game another ninety nine times, we'd have a Houston win sixty six of those times. Houston had forty more yards of penalties. They were 59% success rate in standard downs. Think about that. That is a huge number. Success rate is usually around 40%. They were 59% in standard downs. BYU had a positive 238 in hidden yards. And hidden yards is something that looks at average starting field position, how your punt team does, penalties. Just for example, BYU's punter, Ryan Rakow, five punts for 229 yards. Houston's starting field position was the 18-yard line. It was all the, all the difference in the world. And Holgerson, they just crumbled in the end. Yeah, Houston got the short end of the officiating stick, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they had a 10-yard punt after an offensive pass interference and a holding. Very questionable offensive pass interference, by the way. And then, and then a 10-yard punt to the 20-yard line. And they were up 26-14 at the end of the third quarter, and then everything just went wrong. So, yeah, I had no issues with the Houston loss. Those games happen. 
You mean to f***ing tell me that end of the third quarter, I have Houston up 12 with plus three and a half and plus 12 and a half live. You're going to tell me that I'm going to lose both of those? Are you f***ing kidding me? Dana Holgerson, way to take your f***ing foot off the gas, buddy. Holy shit! A draw when you're down by 10 on third and long? What are you doing? F***ing disgusting. you got to be f***ing kidding me with Houston plus four. I'm f***ing leaving the bar. That fair catching, fair at you, mate. What are you supposed to do? F***ing hand him a f***ing towel to wipe his ass with while he f***ing catches the ball. He's not even f***ing close to him. Third and long, you're giving him f***ing draw. The five-second delay draw. Are you kidding me? I don't even want to go to tomorrow. I'm on Georgia. That sucks. Ben from Lexington here. Mouth's a little salty. Drinking Clay Travis's salty-ass tears. That Tennessee. Hey, what's up? This is Cooper Con from Lexington. Sixth call by y'all. Week two, Kentucky secondary. Oh, yeah, we played in rain all last year. Sick call. Nine points last two weeks. Yeah, let's bet Tennessee live, 17-7. Look at the stats, Stucky. Kentucky's a f***ing wagon. When are you going to f***ing realize Terry Wilson's a winner? Figure it out. Oh, yeah, UTSA, f***ing sick, seven and a half. Let's get it early. Let's get that line. Absolute loser. Kentucky, let's get on them, boys. What the f***? This guy called in just for you because I had Kentucky. Wasn't going to mention it. I took UTSA live at 13. So, I, you know, that's that's one of those really close ones. But he, he's calling in for you. I had Kentucky. I mean, I'll take the L on Kentucky, Tennessee. Are, are we going to talk about the Kentucky secondary in their other games? And we so we've seen what Miss State. Miss State still can't move the ball on anybody. So, yeah, and you stop Tennessee. You, Jared Guarantano was just throwing it right to you. But, yeah, I mean, I'll take the L on betting Tennessee live uh for sure i mean i also had the under which hit but uh utsa i would bet utsa plus seven and a half one million out of one million times again when you go look at the box score it was a dead even game dead even probably lost our quarterback for the year really bad news for utsa yeah they lost Narcisse for the year uh army had two touchdowns after uh, personal fouls on third and longs and that, that led to touchdowns. They usually lead to punts. And UTSA turned the ball over twice on downs inside the 20 to end the game. So, yeah, I mean, honestly, just go look at the box score. The final was 28-16. to 16. By the way, I also had the under. I forgot to bring that up. The, the final was 28-16. to 16. The total yards were UTSA 383, Army 358. Yards per play, about five and a half each. I mean, I don't know what you want from me. So, yeah, and t- I mean, yeah, Terry Wilson, great. T- I was so happy for the Cats, so happy for my wife's bar. And, and they ended a streak where they haven't lost in – they haven't won in Knoxville since, I think, 19 – 17 straight times. I mean, over 30 – I mean, it's insane. Over 35 years, a huge win for Kentucky, uh, honestly. And, and, and credit to you all. Uh, good luck against Georgia next week with Terry Wilson. Um, all right, let's move on here. Hey, Colin, I only have one thing for you, man. Why don't you take that Notre Dame Louisville preview wrote and shove it up your f***ing ass. Get the score 15 points to be able to cover 15. Wake the f*** up, man. God. Notre Dame, three trips to the red zone in the first half to get six points and then just sits on it for the rest of the game. They adopted the strategy from the Bourbon Bowl and the Water Boy where 
the other team has a lead and they just sit on it. The handicap in this game was that Notre Dame was absolutely going to maul Louisville at the point of attack. That was true. Louisville was stuffed on 12 of 23 rushing attempts. That is an insane percentage of how bad the Louisville offensive line is. Both of these teams crossed the opponent 40-yard line nine times. Nine times these teams put themselves in scoring position, and we left with 19 points. Each team had seven possessions. That's lower than almost every Army game. I don't know what was going on with these drives. I don't know how they took so long. They must have been going until there was one second left on the clock, but seven possessions apiece? Yeah, really hard to cover any double-digit number. And, I mean, you know, getting nine chances to score between both teams and kind of like 19 points, it's, it's a failure on both sides. I mean, good defense for both teams. I, it wasn't Notre Dame's best day on offense, I can tell you that. Yeah, Notre Dame gets to win 15-9 to nine over the Louisville. Uh, Notre Dame a contender, a real playoff contender. They don't have the offense, I think. I mean, we'll get to it. If you don't have an explosive offense, I don't care what kind of defense you have, period. Yeah, they can't keep up with the Alabamas and Clemsons. KJ Costello, deer in the headlines. Worst QB in the SEC? Has to be, right? Uh, no points in the, in, in the last seven quarters and counting? First time caller from Cincinnati, Ohio. How the f- is Mike Leach not the worst coach in the SEC? What the f*** was he doing the entire game? The only reason they were someone in the game was because they threw a pick six off a f***ing player's helmet. I don't understand what the f*** he's been doing the past two weeks, but at this point, just get rid of him. This is awful. It's 9.53 p.m., and I'm pretty sure K.J. Costello just got sacked again. Might have dropped this one on the ground, too. It's going to a review. Holy mother how bad is the LSU defense that they gave up SEC records to that garbage fire of a Mississippi State offense? Never again, Mike Leach. Never again. There was two things that really made me angry about Saturday. On games that I was just wrong about was Mississippi State. They lost 28-14 to Texas A&M. They only had 217 total yards of offense, 3.6 yards per play. The one thing that really made me angry about this game and we talked about this on the podcast, as I said, Will Rogers is ready if K.J. Costello struggles early. I thought there was a chance Will Rogers might even start. But once Costello started and things were still sideways, what took Leach so long? Like, I was wrong on the game, flat out. But Rogers ends up coming in, and the offense, again, had more rhythm than it did all day. You have to make that change earlier. So Texas a gets to win 28-14. But I, I was also wrong. I got to talk UMass just real quick. I was wrong on UMass, but – Again, what I thought, what the hell was UMass's Staley lost 41 nothing, you know, catching 31. Their quarterback was 7 to 12 for 41 yards. Their starting quarterback found. What was UMass, and, and by the way, they finished 191 total yards. They got dominated. I mean, as you would expect against Georgia Southern. But what, what, they have one game. One game. What are you doing? They were running halfback dive every play in the first half. Literally just halfback dives. They're playing one game. Throw it down the field. Fake a punt. Throw a Hail Mary. Run a reverse. Do something. It's one game. 31-point underdogs. You're going to go down to Statesboro and run halfback dive? Good fuck. I really must love torturing myself because I threw in a play on UMass plus 31. It's the first quarter right now. They're down 14-0. Georgia Southern's about to score again. It's like I hate money. I, I literally could have just went outside took a blowtorch, and just 
lit all the money I bet on UMass today, and it would have been way more productive than me watching this f***ing pathetic team that only has one game scheduled this year to run f***ing times every play. I can't believe this sh Why do I do this to myself? Ugh, Brocktober. At least you're back next week, baby. You do this to yourself for the memories. We will always have the memory. We will always be able to laugh at ourselves for you, Matt. So if you ever run into me out at a bar, tweet me if you're ever in Lexington. I will buy your, this goes for really anyone that's around colonists. I will, buy, I will buy your drinks all day and we will laugh about the UMass play. Stucky, couldn't believe you are on UMass plus 31. What a moron. Colin, I should have my head examined for following you on the Georgia State, Arkansas State game. I saw your article saying, oh, be brave and bet the under of 72. Saw that. I was like, okay, Colin knows what he's talking about. The score was 59 to 52. I mean, come on. Like, aren't you supposed to be good at this? I, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. All right, Colin, you were brave and bet the under. You know, first off, smart guy. Uh, I don't write the headlines to my articles. If you would have been a little bit more brave and actually read the article, I decided to pull out exactly what I wrote. As for the over-under, you may be better off waiting for a live number. These two teams play at such a quick tempo that the quick score could balloon this total and offer you a chance to swoop in in live for a great number. I don't think any live number hit, buddy. Right. (laughs) I think that thing was – I saw it up to 118 at one point. All I'm saying is, is I gave acknowledgement to the fact that the pace of play was the number two and the number four fastest teams in the nation, okay? I didn't say flat out take it under. I said it's going to be <laughs> – Throwing the editors under the bus. Yeah. Wow. All right, moving on. Colin Stuckey, love the show. Uh, went from the high of Miami taking some knees to the low of Puka, running the kickback for a touchdown to blow an under. Now UCF is pissing it away. And Colin, Maya and I are going to cover next week. No backdoor needed. Calling it now. Uh, thank you all for the voicemails. I was devastated when you get UTEP to play, so we didn't hear from Minor Nation. They were going to be in the round, Robin. Yeah, it's uh, unfortunate. And, and, and they mentioned the pit game. Like, I had some bad calls on Saturday, some good calls. And, again, the difference between a good weekend and a bad weekend sometimes and it wasn't a bad weekend. It was pretty – it was – I think I lost like a unit or two overall, especially when you factor in some additional live bets that I didn't put in on the app that on uh, Georgia Tech. Woo! I don't think they covered – luckily I stopped betting them live. Comes to 173-7, to seven, by the way. But, yeah, I had a couple, a couple games that just went – you know, that the Houston game, the UTSA game, I would bet them a million times over again. And then the, the Miami pit under 49. Oh, my gosh. 31-19 is the final. Go look at that box score. Miami throws two picks inside their own 20 that led to Pitt touchdowns. Miami gets stopped a couple times, and Pitt commits personal fouls and face masks that lead to 10 Miami points. Both teams averaged about four yards per play, and that game goes over. Ugh, gross. But Miami gets the win 31-19 over Pitt. Depending on what number you got, you may have middled that game. All right, so let's go through. First, let's start with best call, worst call, bet regret. Best call, I think I mentioned it earlier. I have to say South Carolina. I took them, and then I took them live again. My worst call, probably Mississippi State 
Yeah, I mean, UMass, I can't say is the worst call. I didn't know what to expect. I expected some variance, and they just didn't want to create any. Uh, Mississippi State, I was just flat out wrong on. And uh, bet regret. Every gambler knows that feeling. Let's talk bet regret. Oh, bet regret not betting Arkansas earlier in the week, especially once the COVID came out and it was plus one and a half, and I just missed the number and and. and it was, I should have bet it, especially with all the uncertainty around it. We didn't even know who was going to play for Ole Miss. So I do regret that. And uh, I regret fate, not fading Middle Tennessee State as a favorite. But I can't bet their games, so I stayed away. Uh, so uh, that's my best call, worst call, bet regret for you. Well, I think my best call is going to lead into some further conversation, so I'll save it for last. But my bet regret, absolutely. Uh, is Virginia Tech and UAB. UAB, I said on the pod, they're sort of a bully to the G5 teams that they can push around. They were only uh, 10 and a half, 13 and a half point favorites, depending on where you were looking. Uh, and they won that game against Western Kentucky easily. Virginia Tech, I wanted to hammer the entire week. And I had no clue who was in this, who's playing in the secondary for the Hokies. I had no clue how much Hendon Hooker was going to play. And it turns out we were just missing an offensive tackle. And one of our starters out of the defensive backfield, Hendon Hooker played like the entire game from what I was watching during the Alabama-Georgia game. Uh, and, and they just, you know, crushed Boston College. So, you know, if Virginia Tech's fully healthy, then they're definitely a play on team. Worst call, I'm not going to – there's no way to dress this up. I cannot get out of my brain the Pitt, the Syracuse, the North Carolina games that Clemson has had in their past where they play at these uh, noon slash 11 a.m. kickoffs and they're just asleep. And they either lose the game outright or they come within a point or it's just some crazy, wacky, stupid shit happens. And I really thought Georgia Tech was going to be that pesky team that was going to kind of give it to them, and something got up their ass. Something Dabo put it on them, like you were going to go out there and you're going to beat these guys, you know, on on top of the head with a hammer. Uh, That was insane what they did. I mean, they were using their punter on the last series, and he's still completing passes at quarterback. So definitely worst call was saying get some money on, you know, a little bit of money on Georgia Tech. Say best call was definitely the biggest game of the weekend, Alabama-Georgia. And uh, the piece on the Action Network was all about taking the first half over and that Kirby, if he was smart, and Munkin, if they were smart, the way to get the Alabama defense off guard is to go push a little tempo. And that Stetson Bennett, the best place that he throws is that soft pocket in between the hash marks. (laughs) Not only was Georgia not – I mean, they were controlling the line of scrimmage. They were – I think they averaged five yards per carry. They were getting an easy push. Stetson Bennett was throwing over the middle, but, man, he had a lot of batted passes. And there was tempo run at times. But, listen, I don't care if you're the best defense in the nation. It's just the way college football is built these days. It used to be that way. Back when LSU and Alabama were called the game of the century, the game finished up 9-6. to six. College football's changed completely. The best offense now beats the best defense. Don't let any peewee football coach tell you defense wins football games. It's not true anymore in college football. And so, you know, best call was definitely telling everybody to take the over in the first half. But as far as stats in this game, I I mean, I don't know uh, exactly where you landed in the game. I know I was able to get down a ton on Alabama uh, pick at some point. And and I had Georgia plus eight and a half. Sadly, couldn't middle it. But, you know, the over is all cash for everybody. So that, that was good news. But Bama had 39% explosive drives. The national average is like 13%. So percentage of available yards. Let me, let me wrap up with this. We talked last week about how the national average for available yards is 40%. I remember if you started the 20, you got 80 yards, right? So 40% uh, is about the national average. 
and that Alabama had achieved 60%, 60%, and then 91% against Ole Miss. Alabama achieved 60% of their available yards against Georgia, and the national average is 44%. So this may be the best defense in the nation. Alabama blew them out of the water when it comes to available yards. I had the over, and I traded the hell out of that game. It's way too hard for me to put every live bet that I have throughout the day in the app, and I only put them in for tiny. I know they're difficult to follow sometimes, but I was trying to put more in for this game because it was the only thing going on in in the football world while I was sweating the rays. These teams were going back and forth, answering each other, answering each other, answering each other. I would have I would have been able to buy a boat if uh, one of those teams won by one or two. Unfortunately, Bama pulled away late to win forty one twenty four. Do we still have – Georgia didn't score in the second half, by the way. Shut out. So, from what you saw and from the advanced stats, are you less concerned about Bama's defense or do you still see some potential holes there? There's holes, absolutely. I mean, Stetson Bennett was able to do what he wanted in the first half. Uh, they were able to run tempo. They were able to catch them off guard. Georgia was able to run for five yards per carry. That wheel route that Cook ran out of the backfield – and caught the Alabama defense off guard. Alabama's defense cannot guard running backs that are running wheel routes or running across the middle. Running backs are eating their lunch. Who is the most explosive team in the nation with a running back that can catch out of the backfield? Clemson and UMass. Travis Etienne. Yeah. Did you say Memphis? <laughs> UMass. UMass. UMass, yeah. No, uh, Clemson with Travis Etienne. Uh, I, like Bama. I like Bama to make it to the playoff assuming Clemson is healthy, Clemson's just better. That's reflected in the power ratings over at Action Network. Uh, Clemson's at the top. Alabama's right below them. But listen, Georgia set a template up for somebody else. Hit your, hit your running backs and a wheel route out of the backfield, and you can have your way with Alabama's defense all day. Uh, all right, let's go through some of the other marquee games here of the weekend. Let's run through the top 25. SMU we saw – Hold on against Tulane, 37-34. At a showdown in the AAC next week against Cincinnati. UCF, meanwhile, in the AAC is uh, done, unfortunately. Uh, a team that I loved. They blow another big lead. They go down against Memphis, 50-49. to 49. Uh, Memphis pulls out the win. It's Again. sad because you know, Central Florida actually had an excellent game from an offensive standpoint. They posted uh, – you know, a positive success rate in every single quarter, a positive uh, explosive rate in, uh, on passing downs in every quarter. Kind of choked there at the end, and then there's some drama on the sideline between the kicker and some of the other players. What, what does this team have in them now that they've lost a, you know, lost a game and see, see how it goes in conference play? Uh, we talked about Miami beating Pitt by 12. Clemson, <laughs> I can't believe I bet Georgia Tech live. Uh, Clemson wins by 66 points at Georgia Tech, 73-7. to seven. South Carolina upsets Auburn although I don't really know how much of an upset it was, 30-22. to 22. Kentucky destroys Tennessee, 34-7. Four turnovers. Uh, Jared Guarantano, two pick yep. sixes in two consecutive drives, and then another pick in his own territory after that. Embarrassing. Uh, JT Shrout came in and threw that one. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you're right. I, it was all good until we went into half against Georgia. Ever since then, I think they've been beaten 90-0 uh, to zero or something like that. So it's, uh, you know – Pack it up. See you later. See you next year, Tennessee. I'll, I'll be waiting next May when somebody tells me Tennessee 40-1 to 1 to win the SEC is a good number. I can't wait for people to start filling my inbox with that bullshit. Same thing every year, like clockwork. Rocky slop. 
Liberty just, I mean, just beat up on Syracuse. Sad, sad state of affairs for Syracuse. Liberty, Liberty, Liberty. Now, I think about 45-point underdog this week against Clemson. Yikes. Uh, throw a shout-out, though, that Coastal's now in the top 25. Coastal, yeah, now is in the top 25. Yeah. By the way, Middle Tennessee State lost 52-35 to to North Texas. North Texas finished with 768 yards of offense, 10 yards per play. <laughs> Florida, oh, we have to talk Florida State. Florida State upsets North Carolina, 31-28. Fraud. Thoughts there? <laughs> yeah, I was watching that. I, heck, I got a little side TV action going on there. But, uh, no, this was a 31-7 to lead that they had in the first half. And then uh, really – we, you know, someone I know somebody on Twitter, Twitter was hitting me up like, are we hitting Sam Howell in the second half? And, you know, they they did outscore Florida State 21 to zero uh, in the second half. But, uh, you know, there were still some mistakes by Florida State, 12 penalties for 89 yards. I'm surprised that they did this without their top wide receiver, Terry. I was a little bit shocked, but you have to be impressed uh, with their quarterback, with Jordan Travis. Uh, I mean, not so much for his throwing. I mean, eight of 19 isn't a great. Uh, right, but you know he ran 16 times for 107 yards and two TDs, and that's going to get them. That's going to give a lot of teams from here on out a lot of trouble. As far as Terry goes, I think he he had some surgery on his uh, knees. He's due back like mid earlier mid November. So once he gets back, maybe there'll be trouble for somebody. Why wait for the weekend? Strap in your fun belts and get ready for action. It's midweek madness. All right, we do have one Thursday night football game this week. I think I have to bet it because I bet Arkansas State every week. It's a podcast promise from me. Uh, we have Arkansas State plus 10 at BetMGM, the official odds provider of the Action Network podcast, over under 64 at Appalachian State. Arkansas State coming off that thrilling, thrilling win. We know about Jay Adams. The most electrifying player in college football. Guess who? Jonathan Adams. That is an unbelievable catch. That is like OBJ quarter this time. Oh, Adams! What a play! You would have thought he was LeBron James posting up. Stop it. This is not real. This kid is amazing. Uh, they won 59-52 against Georgia State. And then we have Appalachian State, which is a lot of unknowns. They've had back-to-back games postponed. They haven't played since September 26th. They've had a COVID just ravage their locker room we know arkansas state is going to score their offense they have two quarterbacks it doesn't even matter who comes in hatcher or bonner they have great receivers but the defense has been so bad so they they fired their old defensive staff i believe yeah. they fired their defensive coordinator and it can't get much worse for them they're very young on the back end podcast promise i've taken uh, arc state plus 10 here what, what yeah, I, I would I'd probably wait I think maybe I don't, I'm not sure if the line will go down I know that I make it uh Appalachian State minus nine this is a game where I actually want to play the other side I want to play the Mountaineers uh and there's just some things that I see in the matchups against each other that uh are a little bit scary Arkansas State's not going to be able to run the ball whatsoever so they do have that great passing success rate ranked 16th in the nation but the problem is, is App State's defense is fourth in the nation in passing against passing success rate uh, so, uh, you know, the, and they're a top 20 team when it comes to havoc. So they, you know, they're taught they're 22nd in defensive finishing drives. I think Appalachian state is going to have some success in at least slowing down this Arkansas state attack. That is fourth and tempo, uh, something for them to deal with, you know, and if you look, if you look at more of this, you know, if you look right. at Appalachian state on the offensive side of the ball, 
that's where I think, you know, really the handicap is. They're top 20 in success rate. You take into fact that Arkansas State is playing with a new D.C. There's, you know, Arkansas State is 60th uh, in defensive pass success rate. 71st out of 77 teams. That includes UMass. Arkansas State is 71st in defending pass explosiveness. Uh, App State generally likes to put, you know, multiple running backs, lots of motion, and, and likes to confuse people and run the ball. But Zach Thomas can sling it. And, uh, you know, if they throw it in the air, that's where they're going to be able to attack Arkansas State the most. I don't think there's value in the number because I make it nine. Uh, but I think App State's the side I'm going to be on. Go ahead and try and be against me and my Ark State boys again on Thursday night. Jay Adams <laughs> finished 280 yards. Jonathan Adams. Woo! My goodness. All right, let's move on. We have, we, look, we're bringing the Big Ten back this week. It's going to be great uh, week of uh, podcasts and great weekend of betting next week. We're going to have to get right to work uh, on next week's card, uh, which will be fuller. It'll be nice. And we'll have all that covered on our Thursday Night Podcast. It'll be out by the time you wake up on Friday morning. Hope you're enjoying this great Action Network podcast. I want to make sure you know about the Locked On Podcast Network. Locked On has a daily podcast on your favorite team. Welcome to you, Locked On 49ers. You are locked on to the Dallas Mavericks. Welcome, everybody, to the Locked On Lakers podcast. Let's go. Locked On podcasts are hosted by the local experts who know your team better than anyone and give you the inside scoop. So go to your podcast app and search Locked On, your favorite team. Subscribe to your Locked On podcast. Before we get out of here, let's talk some Monday night football. All right, so we didn't have Thursday night NFL. We only had two four o'clock games, but we do have two Monday night football games. The first of which is the Chiefs at the Bills at BetMGM right now. The Chiefs are five-point favorites, minus 115, over under 57 and a half. Some of these totals are getting crazy. Look, the big thing here is that this was supposed to be last Thursday night, and the Bills were supposed to host the Chiefs on a short week. But now you're giving the Chiefs extra preparation time off of a loss against the Raiders. And so it's basically, you know, they're going from a Sunday to a Monday. Meanwhile, the Bear, the Bills – had to play a delayed game on Tuesday night. So they're going from Tuesday to Monday. It's like going from a Monday to a Sunday. Uh, so they have two fewer days of preparation. Bill's defense hasn't been great of late. Josh Allen had a bad game at Tennessee. Can't put that all on him. Josh Brown was hurt. Their Bills are dealing with some injuries on the defensive side of the ball as well. It's just a horrible spot for the Bills of these two four and one teams. I make the line after adjusting for the rest and preparation advantage. And look, when you give the Chiefs extra time to prepare, and I love this Bill staff, but they're going from a Tuesday night road game to a Monday game, whereas the Chiefs are coming off a a Sunday loss. You know that Reed's going to have his full arsenal cooked up for this game. And and a game that's really important for the AFC playoff standings. One team gets a bye. So a lot of it's going to come down to how healthy the Bills are. This is a complete pass for me. I make the line at like three and a half, four, after adjusting for the spot, it's five now. You're probably going to get a lot of people that want to back the Chiefs here after a loss. The Chiefs just – look, their secondary is playing well. Here's the thing with, with, with the Chief, with Chiefs games. What makes them semi-difficult to bet for me is – and look, are, are the Bills going to blitz or are they going to drop back in zones more? They like the blitz. That Don't do that against Mahomes. We've seen that time and time again. Who were the teams that beat the Chiefs? You know, the Colts last year. The Chargers always give them fits. The Raiders, you know, these teams that play 
a lot of zones and cover threes. And I mean, I know that the Colts switched up their defense last year, but that's how you, you can't let Mahomes beat you deep. And if you blitz him, he just goes backwards 30 yards and throws it 30 yards longer. So I, I don't know how the Bills are going to approach this from a defensive standpoint, but I expect a sharper Chiefs offense. There's no value in the number. The Chiefs just have been off. But what, getting back to what I was saying, look, the Chiefs should have lost to the Chargers and they lost to the Raiders. They call that penalty on Tyreek Hill, which they should have for taking off his helmet. They don't win. They don't even get to overtime and then get a lucky win. And this is a team that never loses their division. Then they lose at home to the Raiders. But what did the Raiders do? The Raiders got up. They got the lead. That's the key against the Chiefs. The Chiefs' defense has some really good metrics when they get up because they're, they're an aggressive, blitzing, you know, can pressure you off the edge. Their secondary is playing well. You know, they move around Honey Badger effectively. So with the lead, they're great front runners. But if you can get up on them, then you can still run the ball on them, and that's their biggest weakness, and you can compete with this team. So if the Chiefs come out and punch you in the mouth, you're in for a long night. If you can get up and get a touchdown drive, not settle for a field goal, get a stop and get another touchdown, I mean, Bills will win this game. I just don't have enough confidence that they'll do that. So this is a pass for me. I make it three-and-a-half-ish after adjusting. It's at five. I'll watch, see if I see anything live to make sure – you stay tuned to the action app, but pass for me. You see anything here? I agree with everything you said, and there's going to be a lot of people on Kansas City just for the fact that Andy Reid with time uh, off a of bye week, did back to his days as head coach of the Philadelphia Eagles, you know, is just a massive advantage for anybody. Something that sticks out to me is that I think Chiefs are one of the worst in the league at defending passes out of the backfield, and that does well for our old uh, – for our old Utah uh, running back, Zach Moss. So I, I think if the Bills are going to pass more than usual because that's the way to attack the Chiefs, then this is probably a game I'm going to end up taking an over on. So I'll, I will look to play the over. The weather doesn't look to be that bad. 50% chance of drizzle, 50 degrees, nothing that NFL players can't deal with, nothing that's going to affect them. And Buffalo wins actually looks pretty tame for a Buffalo game. So uh, nothing that I, I would say would affect the total. So in that regard, if there's going to be an uptick in passing, especially out of the backfield by Buffalo, probably an overplay for me. I, I want no part of the under in this game. Uh, you know, I, 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 not betting the under. I mean, in a Chiefs-Bills game, and Bills are throwing a lot on first down now, and which is good, and they're more a more efficient offense. But, I, yeah, I mean, it, it just I don't have enough value in the number. But if you get a few bad Josh Allen picks. But you just you want to be pick sixes. <laughs> yeah, you want to hope they're pick sixes. But, the Bill, yeah, the Bills just they – the, they got kind of shafted here. Good news, Bills fans, you got the Jets next week. So even if you don't win this game, I still think the Bills are a real contender in the AFC. If Josh Allen continues to improve, uh, and he has so far this year, at an, at an offense that's – I love the play calling on, just the the throws on first down, the attacks downfield, especially with how they call P.I. this year, man. Bills with digs, and you got to get – you have to have smoke. They got to get Brown healthy. That's the key to have those two dynamic receivers. So – I think the Bills are a contender, regardless of what happens tomorrow. You'll get right next week against the Jets. Everyone does. All right, let's move on to the second Monday night football game, and that is the 2-3 and three Dallas Cowboys hosting the 3-2 and two Arizona Cardinals. Dallas is a one-point home underdog at BetMGM over under 55-and-a-half. I think this total is a tad high. Um, you know, the big question is, all right, what is the Cowboys offense going to look like with Andy Dalton at the helm over Dak Prescott? Uh, I think that it'll, it'll be fine. 
Do I think you have to worry about Andy Dalton? I still think he can throw the ball efficiently. He can hit open receivers. He has a really good running back. The Cowboys have an elite receiving core. They're going to get open. He's going to be able to hit guys, but he's not, obviously not as mobile as Dak Prescott. And the Cowboys' offensive line is nowhere close to what we've seen over the past few years, or the, over the past few seasons with all these injuries, especially at tackle. So if you have an elite pass rush, if you can get an edge pressure against the Cowboys, you're going to be able to limit their offense more so than you could have done with Dak Prescott under center. But having said that, guess who's out now for the Cardinals? This is just a huge loss. Just didn't really get talked about enough in the media this past week. Chandler Jones is out for the year. Uh, This is their best edge rusher. Tomorrow night, his presence going against the backup tackles for the Cowboys would have been huge. And I think it would have been a disruptive force. Killed maybe a driver to maybe he forces a turnover. The Cowboys don't have to worry about that now. So Arizona has been meh, meh. So far, they're playing like a 500 team, which is pretty much what I've adjusted them down. I've adjusted them up, down, was high on them, low on them, high on them. I think they're going to be about a 500 team in a tough division. The Cowboys defense is getting a bit healthier, which should help. The big question is, what is the downgrade from Dak to Andy Dalton? Maybe some people say it's six, five. I'm making about four-ish points. And then the defense is getting a little healthier. I make this game around a pick. If you read my article on Wong teasers, which are destroyed again this weekend, I think they all hit. Uh, I had the Cowboys to finish a tease at plus eight and a half. It's now at plus one. I show a tad, very slight value on the Cowboys. I like some of the matchups now that Jones is out. So I, you know, if you if I had to take it now at the number, I would take the Cowboys. But if I didn't have a tease pending, I would look for a Cowboys number live of a field goal or better. Good chance you probably get that. But it's Cowboys or nothing for me in this spot. What do you see? I'm, we mentioned at the top of the show, there's only one team that hasn't gone over yet, and that's the Cardinals. I'm going to keep here with uh, a total that I think is completely inflated. I mean, this is Dalton back there, not not uh, not Dak. And so I'm going to go with an under in this. Uh, there's a reason these numbers have been set so high with the Cliff King- Kingsbury offense. Uh, I think the pace isn't there uh, for either one of these games. McCarthy might want to run the ball a little bit more with Dalton back there. Uh, for me, this is a completely under game. I think you're right. I think the I think the point spread is exactly where it should be. I would take any Cardinals if I got some plus on it. So we'll see if the public comes in, swoops down on the Cowboys and, and backs them. I don't know, but uh, but if it may be something that I hit live, but definitely for me an under in this game. Yeah, I think it could be a decent trading game. I don't think either team is going to really pull away from the other. So if you wanted to try and trade it back and forth and hope it lands, you know, within a field goal, if you're into that, not a terrible idea. Colin fancies Arizona plus live. I fancy the Cowboys plus three or greater live. And I don't hate the under call. I think it's a tad inflated. We'll see how fast the Cowboys play. It's another thing that I it makes this total hard to project. The Cowboys are a speed racer. Right, with Prescott, they're the fastest team in the NFL. Are they going to be as fast with Andy Dalton? Uh, is he going to take a few more sacks, even without Chandler Jones, to kill a few drives, to put them in third and longs where you run a draw? And, you know, uh, maybe – so maybe the total I, I, I should be even lower than I project. But I'm going, to take a lot, I'm going to take a lot from this game, watching and seeing what the Cowboys offense looks like with Dalton, what this Cowboys defense is going to look like. Because the Cowboys, if they look, your defense has is is been the weak point. All year, and it's good. It's good. It's injuries have hurt you, 
but it's got it's going to have to get better if you want to win this division and then win it maybe make some noise in the playoffs. All right, so that'll do it for us. Thank you to all the voicemail callers uh, for always keeping us in check. We love all of you. Anytime any of you are in Lexington or anywhere, and I'm there, drinks are on me as always. You appreciate the support. Stop what you're doing right now and just leave a review on the Action Network uh, podcast. Rate five star. Leave a review. I'll pick. I'll have our producer pick someone random that leaves a five star review with uh, the words "Why did I bet UMass?" or "Why or Why did Stucky make me bet UMass?" Anything like that. I'll, we'll send you a uh, a sweatshirt and a hat. Um, so leave a five-star review. It helps us out. It takes like two seconds, but Colin, thanks for joining me. We are about to go get to work. We will have our college football week eight betting preview out on Friday morning, big 10 now in the mix. Good slate. I'm excited. NFL week seven betting preview with myself and Chris Raymond will be out on Thursday morning time for us to go grind and find some winners for next weekend. I hope everyone enjoys their Monday, and we'll catch you all later. Cheers. Peace out. We're finished talking. <laughs> 